Mark Cuban. Going against the norm and, and looking for people who had great ideas is, is really what I look for as opposed to individuals mentoring me. David Stern. Thank you. Those are very kind and generous words. I greatly appreciate them, and thanks for having me on. Jeannie Buss. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. It's good to see everybody. Chris Everett. He was very interesting, and you asked a great question, so thank you very much, Brian. Damian Lillard. That was for Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> Maria Taylor. Oh, thanks, Brian. I appreciate it. And your preparation shows to you. Tim Howard. Well, I appreciate you saying I look forward to catching up with you again soon. Just to name a few. Welcome to Sports Business Radio. Now, here's Brian Berger. Well, thanks for joining us on this edition of Sports Business Radio. A few great guests lined up for you on this pod. Charles Robinson, senior NFL reporter for Yahoo Sports. We're going to talk Tom Brady. Todd Gurley signed with the Atlanta Falcons after being cut by the L.A. Rams. We're also going to dig into the business of the NFL with everything that's going on in the world right now. What does this mean for the NFL draft? What does it mean for the construction of the new stadiums in Los Angeles and Las Vegas? What does it mean for teams being able to give physicals to their players? Uh, it really changes everything. So we'll talk about all of that with Charles Robinson. Pretty uh, wide-ranging conversation. And then Ross McConnell. Ross McConnell is the co-founder and CEO of Blinder. We've used their technology on this show for months and months. But they have really pivoted, and they now allow you to do video. So you can become a one-person news crew, record high-quality video and audio. During this time when we're all in quarantine, it's making a big difference for teams and media outlets alike. We'll tell you about that and talk to Ross McConnell because it's a really helpful tool. I'm joined by executive producer Brian Griggs via phone. Griggs, how you hanging in? I'm doing good. You know, I can't complain. I am healthy. It's sunny and 60 today in Portland, so give it to me. I'm loving it. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's funny. We talked last week how the pod we did from Tuesday to the emergency pod last Friday seemed like 15 years. Yeah. Our emergency pod last Friday a week ago seems like it was 15 years ago. It does. It's crazy. Like we talked about on the pod last Friday. It's just like literally every time you refresh Twitter, it's something else that was breaking. And it was just uh, still stuff coming in, still stuff changing. But man, that last week was just uh, a whirlwind of crazy. Well, and I'm here to tell everyone, not that I'm the authority on everything because I'm not. Please stay inside. Please listen to your local authorities. Please take this seriously. And I'm doing that. My family's doing that. My friends are doing that. This isn't anything that any of us wanted, but it's something that is necessary at this time. And as I've told people repeatedly over the last few weeks, do you think Vegas shuts down if they don't absolutely have to? Do you think the sports leagues and these events like the Masters and the Kentucky Derby shut down if they don't absolutely have to? Do you think that Adam Silver didn't exhaust every single possibility with continuing to play before shutting down the league and costing his league billions of dollars? This is serious stuff. So for anyone who doesn't think this is real, you got to check yourself. And we we need to take these precautions. It's still baffling, too. I saw something last night from uh, Florida and Spring Breakers, and it's just like mass beaches full of kids playing and dancing. It's I just don't get it. 
Well, I'll tell you what, Griggs, I got some numbers for you. Uh, because there are more and more people that are listening and they are staying at home and they are washing their hands for 20 seconds, by the way, which seems like an eternity, but sing yourself a song. Media consumption is up as high as it's ever been before. So, uh, in every major city in the last week, media consumption has gone up 29% compared to two Wednesdays prior. So that's a lot. Um, You've got video game usage is up 75%. What a shock. Every post I see from a pro athlete is them playing video games. Streaming is up 12%. And overall overall web traffic is up almost 20%. These are according to Dignitas and Verizon. So other numbers, Griggs. According to the American Gaming Association, the United States will lose $43.5 billion dollars an economic activity if American casinos remain closed for the next eight weeks. We know that Vegas has gone dark for the next 30 days. That was one of the surreal things for me, Griggs, is Vegas has not been dark since 1963, so long before I was born. And to see it dark, no Bellagio fountain, Bellagio completely pitch dark. That was something like if you're capturing images in your mind, when we look back five years from now, that was one of the images that stood out to me. The strip completely dark. Yeah, that one for sure. And the other one is New York City looking at Times Square down Broadway and there's just nobody there. I mean, because, you know, we've been there both places a couple of times and it's like when you're so used to people literally, you know, arm to arm and all of a sudden there's just nothing there. It's crazy. So I think the people in Hollywood must listen to Sports Business Radio because check this out, Griggs. So box office revenue limped to a historic low of $300,000 on Mm. Wednesday. So people aren't going to the movies, right? Because A, in a lot of places, there's shelter in place. B, people just aren't going to the movies right now. So they're watching at home and they're streaming. So what's happened is a lot of the Hollywood studios are saying, We're going to put out the movies that we were going to stream, like Frozen 2 and Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. We're putting those out earlier than we were going to because everyone's at home right now. And then there's a lot of first-run movies that we're going to run in the movie theater, but now they're being taken directly to the home via streaming services or via iTunes. I think that's smart. And when we look back five years from now and we say these are the things that fundamentally changed during the course of the coronavirus era, I think this is one of the things that changes. I think studios are going to take a hard look at, do we really put movies in the box office anymore? Do we just take them directly to home video? Well, you even saw that a little bit before this with Netflix releasing movies on Netflix, you know, at the same time as in the theater. So you've got both avenues going. And I think, I think they're smart. I mean, it's, this is all about adapting to change and hey, the listeners and the viewers are in homes. Let's get them to the, their houses rather than making them go out. Another thing that's changing is this is really interesting. The owners of the Capitals and the Washington Wizards are going to simulate the games the teams would be playing on video games. They're going to broadcast him through their TV partner, NBC Sports in Washington. So essentially, they're going to take NBA 2K and say, this is the game that would have taken place on this date. We're going to broadcast it. We're going to simulate it. I know other teams are doing this in Major League Soccer. Other NBA teams are doing this. But Griggs, not only is that happening, but I've even seen in some places, I don't think in legal places, 
people are betting on these games. So you're betting on a 2K <laughs> simulation. If that's not degenerate gambler, I don't know what is. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I watched last Sunday that our team here, Portland Timbers, did uh, their virtual game with New England. And it was awesome. I was sitting there watching it like it was a real game. Crazy. Uh, one other random stat to throw at you. So Tom Brady has officially signed with the Tampa Bay Bucks. Two years, we believe it's for $30 million per year. Again, Charles Robinson and I have a big conversation about that. Uh, the Buccaneers have gained 20,000 followers on Instagram just since Wednesday. We're recording this on Friday. So in two days, they've gained 20,000 followers. As we discussed with Charles, I would imagine Bucks games are going to be in prime time. You're going to see Bucks on Sunday night football, Monday night football, Thursday night football. Now that Tom Brady is the face of that franchise, they're going to get a lot more visibility. It's kind of like when LeBron went to the Miami Heat, Griggs. Yeah, it's so funny. It's like instantly when these stars move to different teams, all of a sudden, hey, Tampa Bay's on every single Sunday now. You don't see him ever, but now we see him every single week. And even like uh, with the LeBron to Lakers, too, it's like L.A. was on every Sunday, it seemed like. So on Tuesday, we had a great show. Uh, Mike McCartney, NFL agent, uh, he reps Kirk Cousins, just did an extension for him. We had Emmanuel Acho on NFL analyst, used to play in the NFL. He's on ESPN. And we had Al Harrington on, who played in the NBA for 16 years and is also one of the best cannabis entrepreneurs out there right now. But what we didn't have was a chance to really uh, give our thoughts on several things that are going on in the world right now. So, Griggs, I'm going to spend the next few minutes. I'm putting my Larry David hat on. And I'm going to spend the next few minutes saying these are the things that need to change yesterday. And then you can chime in with any things that, that you think need to change. And look, I take this seriously, but it's also a little bit tongue in cheek. We're in a serious time, but I think there are some things that need to change. And again, just like the movies going directly to your home instead of the movie theater, these are some things that are long overdue for change. So number one, Griggs, I have a 15-year-old daughter. She's in high school. She goes to a public high school. Right now, they offer no form of online curriculum for the kids. So if you're K through 12 and you're in my daughter's school district, there is no online curriculum. Why? Because they say there is no universal platform for public schools, K through 12. Yes, there's Google Classrooms and things like that. But the other main reason is they say if every kid can't have access to the internet and doesn't have a computer, they can't offer online curriculum. Griggs, we're in 2020. I see these master classes. If you want to learn how to play basketball, you can learn from Steph Curry. If you want to learn about movies, you can learn from Ron Howard. If you want to learn how to cook, you can learn from, you know, one of the best chefs in the world. Why in God's name in 2020 can we not offer online education on a universal platform, either via the teacher at the school that your kid is learning from or the teachers, or I'm going to go out and get a master at their craft and my kid's going to learn math from the best math teacher in the world because I can get online and, and learn math from that person. This needs to change yesterday. The fact that my daughter doesn't go back to school until May 1st at the earliest, and there's no curriculum being offered, that's ridiculous, Griggs. Yeah, and I have a seventh grader, and same thing. It's like we're getting emails from the school district every other couple days, and it's kind of like, I don't know if scrambling's the right word, but it's like they really don't know what to send out. <laughs> no, the, the thing is, the private schools, the charter schools, they have this dialed in, right? 
they are offering online curriculum. The colleges, they have it dialed in. They're offering online curriculum. Why, Griggs? Because they're making money, right? So the students in college and at these private schools are paying top dollar. So, of course, the schools are going to say, well, yeah, okay, we can set up online school. Because guess what? We don't want the parents coming back to us saying we want our money back because there was no school for three months while this was going on. So they've figured out the online curriculum solution. The public schools who don't have the money, they're just saying, well, sorry, everyone. Griggs, there's 38 million students that are out of school right now across the United States. And a lot of them go to public schools. And a lot of them are in this same situation. In 2020, this is absolutely ludicrous. Yeah, it's uh, it's a baffling thing. And you're right. I mean, the, the universities and the private and the charters all figured it out. So obviously, there's a platform and there's a, a way to do it. So this public educa- education needs to figure that out, too. All right. So what am I doing? Again, I have a 15-year-old daughter, and she has no curriculum from her school that is incoming. I'm not going to just sit around and binge watch TV with her. Yes, we're going to take the dog for a walk, and we're going to sit in our backyard and get some fresh air. But what I'm doing, Griggs, is I am creating the daddy curriculum. And you know what the daddy curriculum is? It's life skills. That my daughter, I know beyond this period, she will take with her the rest of her life. And far be it for me to tell you, the listener, how to parent your kids. But here's some things on my daddy curriculum for my 15-year-old. We're going to log online. We're going to learn how to manage finances. We're going to learn how to pay your bills online, which is how I pay our bills. We're going to learn about investing. If you invest in stocks, if you invest in real estate, what does that look like? We're going to learn how to do laundry, how to load the dishwasher, how to do home repairs, how to take care of your house. We're going to learn how to book a flight if you're going to travel. We're going to learn how to fire up the grill at home. These are all things she knows some of these things and she knows how to cook and, you know, take care of her room and and things like that. But these are skills that oftentimes aren't taught in the schools. And I've always said, why are the life skills not being taught in the schools other than like sex ed? I'm taking advantage of this time. If if there's no curriculum incoming, this is the curriculum that I'm going to offer to my daughter during this time period. So at least she's learning something. Yeah, we're doing the same thing here too. And it's like, I've told my son, like this two weeks, four weeks, month, two months, whatever, you're going to remember this the rest of your life. So let's use these two months to really pack it full of stuff. You're also going to use the rest of your life. And the list, the same as you just listed off. I mean, we're doing, yeah, we're doing dishes. We're learning how to cook stuff. We're learning how to, every little thing that you're good, that he's going to use the rest of his life. We can pick that up right now. Yeah. How do you manage a credit card? You know, you, a lot of kids think, oh, there's a credit card. I just go out and buy whatever I want. They don't know, oh, you have to pay the credit card off. And there's interest if you don't pay on the credit card every month. And, you know, just basic things like that, you have to teach them. So I think it's good that we're going to be doing that. And I would encourage our listeners, if you feel like that's a good learning opportunity for your kids, there you go. We just gave you some uh, curriculum that you can use. The other thing that needs to change yesterday, and again, we're in 2020, it's mind-boggling to me that I'm reading about so-and-so went out to the polls in Florida, in Massachusetts, in wherever. We're in 2020. Why in God's name are we still using polls when we have technology to vote online or in a worst-case scenario, mail vote? So we're in Oregon. We vote by mail. 
I know older people and some people don't have access to the internet, so mail is an option. But for 90% of the people out there that do have access to the internet, why are we not voting online? Now, I read a story this morning, Griggs, that the Senate is trying to get this change quickly, which does anything ever happen quickly in the Senate? But we have a presidential election coming up in November, and there's a real possibility that people won't be able to go to the polls to vote. I know we want everyone to vote. Why are we not allowing or creating a platform that allows you to vote online, Griggs? It just boggles my mind. And that seems like something that could be so simple. I mean, I just don't even know why it hasn't happened. We pay our bills online. Right. Ten years ago, this should have been going at least. Right. And, you know, for all the people who would say, oh, we're going to get hacked or this is going to be this or that. You know what? Let's at least try it. Let's at least try it. To me, voting online is better option than going to the polls. And if you're going to go to the polls, well, how are you going to go to the polls if things are going to be shut down? So there's a lot of smart people that listen to this show. And I know this is mainly run through the government, but private and and public are working more and more together. Someone needs to come up with a solution for online voting because it's ridiculous that in this day and age, we're still voting by going to the polls, closing the little curtain and, and casting our ballot and the Chad that hangs. And, and I mean, give me a break. Like let's vote online. Agreed, Griggs. Oh yeah. hundred percent. When you, we were texting back and forth on that one. I'm like, yep. Been thinking that one for a while too. <laughs> All right. The other thing we need to be able to do is we need to be able to pause mortgage or rent payments. So many people are losing their jobs. I saw in New York this past week alone, I think unemployment went from like 18,000 to 130,000 in a week. And it's only going to get worse. So you have all these people who aren't going to be able to afford to pay their mortgage. They're not going to be able to afford to pay their rent. Everyone lives somewhere. So this is pretty universal. And I know, you know, the lending companies, this is probably going to hurt them, but we're going to remember at the end of this, Griggs, who did business the right way and who did business by gouging or taking advantage of those who are in a really tough situation. And I think the lending companies, the mortgage companies, the people who rent to others, they need to pause payments or they need to, you know, we saw this week, the feds came out and said that you tax payments, you have to have your taxes filed by April 15th, but you don't have to pay them now until July 15th. We need more of that. And again, I think with mortgages and rent payments, that needs to happen yesterday. Yeah, I agree. I mean, look, I've owned a house for 20 years, never missed a payment, but I guarantee you if I lost my job today and didn't make a payment, they'd be all over me. And I think that's not right. I think, you know, we've most of Americans keep up on that stuff and show that they can handle it and do it. So what the heck? Pause it for two or three months. It's not going to be the end of the world. Well, and also take into consideration someone like you or me who has a consistent track record. Hey, these people have never missed a payment. They're pretty good risk. Let's let them pause mortgage for three months. And, you know, luckily we're not in that position right now. But if we're having the same conversation six months from now, then maybe things are different. And Everyone's going to need some help. But the other thing I would say is this. There's a lot of people out there who are helping people who are less fortunate, whether it's providing food. Um, I've seen Shea Serrano from The Ringer 
paying, you know, 200 bucks here and there to help people cover some medical expenses. Like there's just random people that are helping others. If you're in a position to help others during this time, whether it's using your platform, whether it's with money, whether it's with food, whether it's checking in on the older people in your neighborhood who live around you and making sure they're okay. And do you need me to go to the grocery store and get some food for you or any of the essentials for you? Let's all help each other during this time. This is a time where we need to pull together and, you know, not divide Griggs. Yeah. And I was talking to my son about that too. I'm like, you know, this is a bad time right now. There's a lot of bad you're hearing about, but there's also a lot of good that comes from this. And there's lots of examples of people and others and us and, you know, volunteering and helping, like you said, with the neighbors or older people around the, around the house. And, uh, it's huge. You can, you can make an impact on people's lives even through a bad time. All right, coming up later, as I teased earlier, Ross McConnell from Blinder is going to join us. And their technology is really interesting because athletes are separated from their teams right now. And sure, we're seeing some athletes use their iPhone to be able to produce content and either put it out on their own social platforms or they send it to the team and the team puts it out. But it's it's a technology that I think right now and coming out of this will be used by lots of teams and even media Griggs, you've been the producer of Sports Business Radio for many years now, and you have Griggs Productions, and there's a lot of people launching podcasts right now. And again, we've gone to two a week, but I know you're great at helping people launch podcasts. Here's the equipment you need, and then you can post-produce. That's the great thing about our world now is you know, I can sit here and record an interview in my home studio. I can email it to you, and you can post-produce it and put together Sports Business Radio. We don't have to be in the same studio. Yeah, it's pretty fascinating. And yeah, Griggs Productions, you can find me at griggsproductions.com. Uh, email Brian, B-R-Y-A-N. I spelled the right way. Sorry, Burger. <laughs> oh, man. Brian at GriggsProductions.com. And yeah, I'd love to get you started. I have a whole sheet of stuff of uh, information on different ways to get podcasts going from cheap to expensive. And uh, yeah, post-producing, I can do it from anywhere in the world. And that's the fascinating thing about our world now with podcasting and audio. And uh, you can record from basically anywhere. And as long as you've got some kind of internet connection, uh, we can uh, get your podcast out to the world. And Griggs is G-R-I-G-G-S for all of our yes. listeners out there. Give out your email one more time. Yeah, it's Brian, B-R-Y-A-N, at GriggsProductions.com. And I can tell you, if you work with Griggs, you're working with the best. And, you know, I've just, I, we throw this plug out because I've had a lot of people reach out to me in the last two weeks saying, Hey, Burger, your podcast sounds good. Who does your podcast? Who, how, I want to launch a podcast. How do I get that done? You know, a lot of people, like I even heard, this was a first, Greg's, and Staples is not a sponsor, but I was listening to another pod. Staples is having a sale right now on podcast equipment. And I was like, that's the first time I've ever heard an ad specifically designed for the podcast audience or the podcast entrepreneur who wants to start a podcast, microphones, stands, recording equipment, all of that kind of stuff. And so we're definitely in a different era. Everyone's, not everyone, most people are working from home and a lot of people are looking to stay relevant with podcast. So Griggs Productions, that's the way to go. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, I agree. That's the only way to go. <laughs> all right, coming up next, Charles Robinson, senior NFL writer for Yahoo Sports. We'll talk about Tom Brady, Todd Gurley, 
Also, the place the NFL finds itself in right now with the draft, with free agency, with the new collective bargaining agreement. And how is Charles doing his job? He's someone who is so well connected in the NFL, but he's on lockdown as well. He's isolated as well. So he's got to do everything virtually. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. When it comes to stadiums and the fan experience, every sports pro knows wireless wins. And when it comes to the best wireless technology for your venue, look no further than Boingo Wireless. Boingo is your wireless partner for the 5G era. Boingo is the largest operator of indoor wireless networks in the U.S., providing state-of-the-art cellular and 5G-ready networks that power amazing fan experiences. And Boingo makes keeping your stadium connected easy today and in the future. Thinking about CBRS or 5G? Boingo has you covered. Next-gen stadium tech like mobile ticketing, VR, and micro-betting are all possible with Boingo's 5G solutions that stay ahead of what's next. Here's another kicker. Boingo is simply the best connected experience for your business. Whether the NFL, NBA, MLS, or NCAA, Boingo helps world-class sports venues improve operating efficiencies, deepen loyalty with fans, and generate more revenue. It's a win-win. Boingo powers the connected experience at places like Soldier Field, Vivint Smart Home Arena, State Farm Arena, University of Louisville, and K-State, just to name a few. Kickstart your team's 5G strategy with a free wireless consultation from Boingo. Simply email sbradio at boingo.com and mention this podcast. That's sbradio at boingo.com. Our thanks to Boingo for their continued support of Sports Business Radio. We're excited to showcase how technology is changing the business of sports. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. My guest is Charles Robinson. He's a senior NFL reporter for Yahoo Sports. You can follow him on Twitter at Charles Robinson. Charles, how are you? Doing well. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right. I got to start off by asking because I've been asking all my guests this this week. In this current climate, I mean, so many things have changed. What are you doing to be able to do your job? Are you working from home? How are you communicating with people during this free agency period? Because it's it's crazy. I talked to Mike McCartney, NFL agent, earlier in the week, and you know he's got his home office set up, and he's kind of flying blindly in a lot of regards. Yeah, I mean, interestingly enough, it it sort of dovetails, uh, I guess. And maybe the only silver lining of this whole thing, it it dovetails with what my schedule is usually like during this week anyway. I mean, free agency um, is me. And every year that I've ever done it, you're basically holed up in um, your office on your phone all day. You know, you're on your phone, you're on your computer, you're um, occasionally jumping on. Like I have a I have a home office and then the room next door is like a, a studio, like a home studio. So that maybe you jump on and you do video or if there's like any Skype necessity or anything like that. Um, but I'll travel between those two rooms for 12, 14 hours a day for the first four or five days of, of free agency. And, uh, you know, it kind of tapers off. Once you hit the second week, it gets a little less, um, hectic, but because so much of it is, is done on my phone, I block off, you know, like the first 10 days of free agency and just say, look, I'm going to be in the house. I'm not going anywhere. Um, chances are I'm, I'm not going to leave my office very often. And, and that's just kind of how it goes. So for me, I'm kind of hermetically sealed into, into that space 
for free agency anyway. And so I, it's, I hate to use the word lucky in a situation like this because most people aren't, but working from home for me is just second nature. I've worked from home for almost 20 years. I mean, as a sports writer, very few of us are, are ever in the office uh, every day. And since I've, uh, I've been working for Yahoo 16 years and that's always been away from an office. It's always been in my home. Yeah. It's interesting. I'm the same setup. I, I will say, I'm recording in a home studio now. I usually have a, a regular studio, but right. yeah, same thing working from home. But, uh, it just seems it, there's a different, uh, environment around us, I guess, even though this is the same for us as far as dealing with teams. You know, these teams can't bring players in for physicals. They can't have them in their facilities. That's very different. Yeah. I mean, that's for teams. It's a completely. The disruption's been crazy as far as, you know, just, just getting an eyeball on guys or bringing them in for interviews or, you know, whether it's, so like with, with the draft, really what it hurts the most is the, the personal visits. So say you want to bring Tua Tonga Valoa in and you, and you want to, you know, run them through interviews and you want to do maybe your own personal workout, you know, say if you get beyond his, you know, April return to the field. Um, you can't do that now. Like, it's just not going to happen. And then, you know, it's like that with particular, you know, you, most teams want to bring in the quarterbacks, particularly quarterbacks. They want to bring them in. They want to have them throw, you know, do different things, sit with different people in the organization. It's, you know, for quarterbacks, um, if you're going to be taking a guy at the top of the first round, it's, it's a pretty vital, you know, situation. And if you're not bringing them to you, you'll go to them. And then for the smaller school prospects, this really affects the latter round of the of the draft because you have teams that sit there and they're looking at all their reports from um, area scouts, but then they have to go do the, the back check. So you send, whether it's your national scout or whoever you're going to send, you send them out there for certain guys you're interested in and you check their 40 time. You check, you know, you basically just recheck everything. And then if there's anything else on site you feel like you need to do, you do that as well. And that really pays off in the latter rounds of the draft. Um, where your board gets thin and all of a sudden you're choosing from people and maybe you're getting to some of these small school guys that you want to take a chance on. You want to know your information is accurate. Teams don't really have that opportunity now. And then you jump into free agency and there's no ability to recruit. So when you get into the second, um, you know, second week of free agency, there may be a guy who has a decision to make. And maybe he, it's interesting because Todd Gurley, cut his deal so quickly with Atlanta, Todd Gurley was in a situation that maybe he shops himself around for a while. You know, right. Melvin Gordon's a guy like that right now. So um, you just can't do it. There's no traveling. And then the physicals are for every guy that's had significant surgeries or injuries, not being able to send a team doctor, or bring them in, hmm. you know, and get a deep physical on these guys. Absolutely. 100% holds up deals. It's going to hurt Cam Newton. Um, I, 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 fully believe the Panthers are going to end up having to cut him because of the fact that they can't deal him because there's no ability to do a physical. It's going to hurt Brandon cooks. You know, that was another situation where the Rams would like to deal him, but um, you know, no one's going to be able to uh, bring him in for, for the physical that's necessary or the medical it's necessary. So it's, it's, it's very disruptive from the NFL um, in, in many respects. So let's go back to the draft for a minute. When I had Mike McCartney on earlier in the week, he thinks the draft will be done virtually. Obviously, there's not going to be fans there. The NFL's already announced that. Uh, but do you see 
uh, scenario, I mean, if, if this thing continues to get more serious, can the NFL really even hold that draft in April? Um, and do they have enough information as you just outlined? I mean, would they rather say, yeah. let's postpone it and get more info before we take guys on our team that we're going to pay millions of dollars to? Yeah, I think the NFL, I think the problem for the NFL right now is sort of if not now, when, you know, that's the question. And and when the league year was starting and free agency was starting and I started to talk to some different teams, there was some reticence on the part of teams. I don't think, you know, I don't think a lot of people were thrilled. And I think a number of teams, you know, that I spoke to were like, yeah, we, we'd be fine pushing it back. Like it feels like we don't have to do it right away, but every single one of them admitted the same thing. It's like, well, if it gets worse, then when do we kick it into gear? So if it's not good now, and conditions from what they were being told by everybody conditions were only going to get worse a month out, two months out. Then it's like, okay, we're going to suddenly kick it into gear two months from now. And it's, you know, really, really awful. And, you know, they already had sort of the optics issue of, man, this is, this is, this is sweeping through the country. Things are bad for a lot of people right now. And, and we're going to hit an economic point where jobless claims are going to spike and, you're going to roll out these contracts, you know, and, and so you saw it on NFL network where you sort of had rich Eisen during the, the free agent frenzy. It felt like every hour rich Eisen was sort of taking a moment to break into the audience to say, you know, Hey, we understand what's going on in the country right now. Right. Like there was an effort to sort of say, we're not trying to be trite about what's going on right now, but there is business that's being completed and it is newsworthy, which I understood. But, um, as far as the draft, I mean, if they've gone through free agency and they've sort of gone through the thick of it in free agency, particularly with the stock market stuff, um, I kind of feel like the draft, and I think Mike McCartney's correct, I think it's going to be a, a virtual, it's going to be 100% made for your television, your tablet, your, you know, any any way you want to consume it through, you know, some form of uh, media screen, right. that's 100% what it's going to end up being geared for, and you know, but it'll be different. I mean, it's, it's, I am curious to see how the league will pull this off because it's a challenge unlike any I've ever seen. It's hard to really for any league prospects involved and, you know, all these different things that are staples. Yeah. For any league. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. We've never seen a completely virtual draft at this level before. And you're right for them to pull that off in this amount of time is going to be interesting to see how they pull it off. But if they do, do it as you just described, where you can consume it on any of your devices. The the numbers are going to go through the roof because, you know, one of the things we're talking about on the show this week is the amount of media that's being consumed right, right now is at an all time right. high. Right. And it's it's a captive audience right now, honestly, like it, it's it's people are, you know, if, if there are people who are basically furloughed or they're, you know, people who are home, you know, sent home working from home or unfortunately, if there are people who are laid off, I mean. There's there's more of a shut in, you know, nature right now. You see what happens with the state of California. Everybody, you know, it's getting to the point where shelter in places um, or or lockdowns are going to be more of a consistency, I think, as we move forward with some of the large cities. And, you know, so, yeah, there are going to be there are going to be more people consuming media. And I mean, shoot, at breakfast this morning, that was one of the conversations I was having with my significant other was sort of like, well, hey, you know, <laughs> this is there's a time to watch anything. This is probably a good time to do it. Right. Um, but yeah, I the interesting thing about the draft, though, if you think about the live aspect of it um, from a content um, aspect, 
you can still get a lot of the same things you can get. You know, there's going to be video clips of guys and plays. That's going to be more important now than ever because you're going to have to stretch. There's going to be the ability to um, – I'm curious to see with the social distancing stuff whether they get hosts together in one place or if it's like, you know, you tune into CNBC today and all the anchors are at home and they're right. all set up on their home setups and they're they're talking remotely to each other as if they're on the anchor desk. I'm kind of curious to see if it's something like that. But, you know, you lose you, – you'll basically lose the shots inside someone's home um, – and and in reality, you may not even lose that because there's no telling that the NFL won't reach out to prospects and say, hey, look, if we sent you a video setup, do you think maybe you could set it up? Like, it won't be great, but do you think maybe you could set it up on your own and that way we have a live shot in your home and, and you know, we'll send you instructions or we'll walk, it, walk you through it on Skype or whatever. Um, I'm curious to see if they try to pull it off you know, like that, but you lose the crowd, you lose some of these different things. So we, we, on our podcast, Therese Paler and I kind of pitched, um, the idea of, we all see these old clips of like Pete Rosell in a hotel ballroom, right. you know, and how he's like announcing it, holding a note card and all this stuff. And we kind of pitched this idea that this, maybe this is an opportunity for ESPN or some of the networks to do, sort of a theme you know on this so why not you know say hey whoever's attending this everybody who's you know whatever limited personnel we might have involved let's throw it back everybody wears 70s clothing (laughs) butterfly collars and everybody's you know whether you're wearing the you know the old blazers and all these and make it give it that feel of like hey we're taking this back to an earlier era of the nfl and maybe celebrating something that we see in highlights and, and making it feel more giving it a little of that grit that used to exist that doesn't anymore before we had all the, you know, the pinwheels and, and excitement. Well, and now that Vegas is shut down, you've got to do this virtually, right? I mean, right. There, there's nothing open. Right. Right. There's no, there's no, I mean, it's, it's like a lot of cities that you see now, like it's sort of a ghost town at right. certain points. Like, what are you going to do? Like, Oh, here's the strip. And there's barely anybody out there. That's, you know, and, uh, with with all the casinos and, and and you know basically everything involving gaming closing down, I don't. It's it it lost. If anything, I almost wonder should the NFL kick it out? You know the Vegas aspect of it. Let's kick it out one more year because you've lost the you've lost the gravitas. You've lost what you wanted. You were going to Vegas for a reason. You were right. going there because it was Vegas, and you know you're going to do it. In, in this Vegas atmosphere. And it was the same reason why when they announced it, you know, every sports writer was like, great, sweet. I hope we do the draft this year. Um, well, my and, prediction and is I agree with you. I think they're going to kick it out of year. And I think yeah. coming out of this, the next Super Bowl that is awarded is to Las Vegas. That's how they're going to, and they even kind of, you know, hinted at that in their statement when they said, you know, a few weeks ago that they were going to not have an audience at the draft. Right. I think that's what's going to happen is they're going to give Vegas the draft next year. And they're also going to say, you know, several years down the road, the next available Super Bowl is going to Las right. Vegas. I think that's what they do. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Super Bowl, the new stadium, I mean, that's natural. Like right. it's automatically they're, they're, they're going to get a. But I'll tell you what, that's an interesting thing that Mike brought up too earlier in the week is not to jump around topic to topic here. But if you look at the Chargers Ram Stadium and you look at the Vegas Stadium, Construction is essentially stopping 
Are those right. stadiums going to be open in 2020? Not that this is when the Super Bowl would take place, but now you've got to worry about these two crown jewels that we're going to open. Are you going to have to figure out a solution for your teams for one more season while those finish up construction? Right. Well, you look at California and, you know, the governor, Gavin Newsom, says, all right, well, we're locking everybody down except for essential services. And now there's this question and debate. What, you know, the stadium construction crews, that's not really essential services. So how do you classify that? And I'm curious to see what happens with the construction over the next couple of days, whether there are people on that site or not, because, you know, it's sort of a, we don't know if we violate essential, like the, when I, when I asked questions yesterday, like, how is this going to go? The response I got was, well, there's not really clarity about whether or not this is considered essential services. So do you just proceed ahead as normal until you're told not to? Right. And, and so I wouldn't be surprised if the stadium construction just continues until someone says, nope, stop it. Yeah. We're you know? shutting and it down. That, you know, because that push that that then puts pressure on the governor to take you know to sort of take the heat on that you know like it's it's if 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 they're like we're going to press ahead until the governor tells us not to then you kind of have an ability to shrug and go well look we were told we had to stop at that point there's nothing we can do about it so this adjustment really isn't it's not our fault and um but yeah I mean it's we're in a weird space you know it's hard to know exactly what. What qualifies is, you know, particularly when we're we're told to, to shelter in place or, you know, there's a there's a sort of sort of quarantine aspect of everybody. You don't know, you know, hey, if you if it's a grocery store, you should go into work, you know, if it's a, you know, a bank or this or that. And, and you're just kind of like, OK, well, what where's the line? Like, what what point? I'm, I'm glad I don't have to make that decision. Like, you know, my my significant other, she's a nurse. She's going in like she's going. Right. She, there's no choice. She's going to go in and it's going to. It's going to get, you know, crazier. So. Well, and bless her for the job that she does because, you know, they're on the front lines, the nurses and the doctors, and uh, that's an important job right now. Yeah, I, I – trust me, there's no <laughs> – I mean, I've always had the most respect for, you know, the job she does prior to this. But, yeah, I mean, there's definitely an element of every day, you know, sort of walking out that door. You're sort of like, okay, wow, this is, you know, takes a lot of – takes a lot of courage at this stage once you get to this yeah you're starting to get to the front end of it and it's it's you know they're talking about masks and ventilators and you know is there going to be enough staff and so it's yeah it's going to be very very interesting to see where it goes well let's switch topics for a minute and and dig in on some of these deals that are getting done obviously the the headliner deal tom brady looks like a two-year deal in tampa did he get 30 million is that is that what he got uh, I have not seen the the actual contract, but I mean, I was told that by, I was told by the Chargers that the deal it was for thirty million a season, and there were maybe some elements that would be tied in that could escalate it, you know, depending on you know performance things or whatever. But that you know they were essentially told that this is an identical deal, like we're we're showing this to you and you're okay with it. You know, we, you need to know that we're also furnishing it to whatever uh, ever other teams might be interested just to make sure like who's, who's interested in the deal and willing to do it. So yeah, I, I, again, I haven't seen it, but I would say if it's sub 30 or more than 30, that's kind of interesting because that would be a little bit outside the lines of what the Chargers were looking at. Do we know what happened in new England? Was it a matter of, there was no amount of money the Patriots could offer him to stay because he had just 
had enough there or do you think they lowballed him and said, Hey, we'll give you 20 million or 15 million. And, and that wasn't anywhere near the ballpark of what he was looking for. I don't even think they got some money. Hmm. It never even, wow. it never even, tra- it never got to the point of, you know, it was Tom, you know, set this up when he opted out, he set up his ability to go to free agency. And I think the Patriots and in particular, Bill Belichick, the, the way that they approached it was he wanted this. He, he created the opportunity for himself. This was something we all talked about and we, you know, we restructured his deal so he could do it. And I think they felt like if he wants to be here, it's incumbent upon him to let us know, I want to be here, you know, like basically say, here, here's what I need. Like I, I structured this to get myself, you know, free, but here's what I'm really looking for. And, and I think on the flip side, I think Tom approached it from the standpoint of, well, you guys, you know, do you want me? Like, do you want me to be here? You know, and if you want me to be here, I need, you know, you have to illustrate that. And and it ended up being two sides sort of looking at each other, waiting for the other one to sort of extend the hand. And then it just never happened. And, you know, when I spoke to someone in the building there through the process, it was sort of like, I think there was a feeling of it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And it kept, it was sort of like, okay, well, and then as it got closer, you could sense sort of some nervousness. Like, I don't understand. Like the person I was talking to was like, okay, I can't believe we're here. Like we keep getting closer and closer Hmm. to the deadline. And then, um, and then when it actually happened, I, from the conversations I had, I'm just telling you, I think there was some shock inside that building that, Hmm. that it actually happened, that Tom actually was willing to leave. I think there were some people inside the building who thought, at the end, when we, when it's time to make the decision, Tom will, this will get fixed or Tom will say what he needs or whatever, or Robert Kraft will step in and get everybody on the same page. There was just this sort of idea of like in the 11th hour, this is, this is going to take care of itself. And then when it didn't, I think there are some people in the building who are like just a little bit in a state of shock right now and not knowing what the plan is moving forward. And, and I think still processing sort of like, how did this happen? And then going and now today in particular going through again, wow! Like he's not here. Like this, I the picture of him signing his deal that he posted right. on Instagram. I can tell you right now, like is it stings for some people in that building because they're just sitting there like I can't believe this. Like the way he's smiling and seems happy, you know, because in their minds they're like this is devastating. Like this is just they never thought they'd get here. So to see that, I don't know what to compare it to other than when a significant other moves on and, and appears to be happy without you, you know, and it wasn't necessarily something you wanted. Um, I think everyone, you know, has probably experienced that in life. So get understand a little bit of that, but yeah, there's definitely a, a feeling of, you know, a relationship that ended and the way it ended is not going to be remembered fondly by the Patriots. Well, and the sports comparison for me is Michael Jordan. So Jordan and the Bulls, you know, same thing. He wanted to be a free agent. He felt disrespected by the Bulls. So he goes and signs with the Wizards and you're like, the Wizards? What? Right. And this is kind of the same thing. No disrespect to the Bucks, but they don't have nearly the string of success that the Patriots have. And you're, you're kind of like, so it almost feels like he wanted to get away so badly that he went to someone who would give him a little more money. Cause I, 
can't imagine the Patriots wouldn't have paid him $25, $30 million. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't I'm think wrong. it was about money. I really don't. Yeah. I just don't think it was about money. I think it was about, I, I think ultimately, and I think Robert Kraft, uh, at least with the media, he clearly you know, spoke to the media about it, and it felt like he kind of dimed on Tom a little bit, where he was like, look, if he wanted to be here, there was, you know, this was something that would have gotten done if he wanted to be here. So it was sort of putting it on Tom, like, you know, hey, he he was the one who made this choice. You know, he's the one who set it in motion. He was the one who wanted it. And I, I just don't think – I don't think it had any – look, if the Patriots were offering $15 million, which just isn't the case, I mean, that's one thing. But, you know, there's – it wasn't – this was not a financial decision. Tom Brady wasn't sitting there going, Hey, I'm going to get an extra 10 million, you know, over the last two years of my career. Like that's not about it. I think it was about respect about, he went through a number of years with the Patriots taking a contract that was less than market. Right. Um, and you know, so it's like, and then he won six Super Bowls there and there was an, and they went to nine. And, you know, I think like in his mind, there's an element of like, Okay, where's like, is there an appreciation for this? Is there well, and how did it even get to this point, right? Like, you should have signed me before this. It shouldn't have come to this point where I have to walk to Robert Kraft's house and and have this conversation, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was definitely. Um, I think the longer it went on without a deal getting done, um, when you get to the combine, you're you're playing with fire. Like it was something that to me, as soon as the season ended, it was like, okay, they better kick it in motion immediately. Like if this is because once you get to the combine, your agents talking to other teams and other teams, the first question they had for Don Yee is, is this real? Like, is this legit? Is he really going to leave? And if, and then at that point, Don Yee's like, yeah, like if he gets to free agency, this is a hundred percent real. So you better be prepared with you know, whatever your pitch is going to be or whatever, you know, your financial package, whatever you just, but sell, have your, you know, have this ready. And so when you get to the combine, what that allows is for Don Yee to turn around to Tom and go, Hey man, there's, if you don't feel like you're being appreciated or respected fully by certain people in the, in the Patriots organization, AKA Bill Belichick, there's going to be Bruce Arians is ready to pitch you. You know, the chargers owner wants, you know, like, this is you. You are going to have people out here who will not lack for any element of respect or wanting to hear you out. And oh, by the way, if you're looking for a different brand of football, because look, there's no doubt everybody who comes out of the Patriots, they're very consistent on this point. The winning is fun. That's what's fun about Patriots football. That's that's the reward. You win. You win championships. You go there. You're successful. That's the payoff. But there is a lot of 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 there is a list of things and, and large periods of time that are not fun. It's very difficult. It's very challenging and it's not. And, you know, it's sort of like in the ends, the ends justify the means and guys are like, okay, well I won rings. So ultimately that's what it was all about. But there are also guys that win rings who come out of there and they're like, it would have been nice to have some more fun, you know, while we were winning those rings. You know, I think Rob Gronkowski is a good example. He's a guy who, he loved winning rings, but I think he felt like the physical toll and the constant drumbeat of it's always about, you know, not being able to enjoy the moment until the last day of the season. Um, it grinds on you. It can be really difficult. So I, I think that's there's an element of that too. Look, Bruce Arians, he's going to pitch you on the fun. Like right. He he's going to be like, we're going to have a great time. Heck yeah, man. We're going to wreck the league. We're going to go get all these guys. We're going to. 
We're going to load up. We're going to try and win the title the next two years. But you know what? We're going to have a really good time doing it, too. This is how I carry myself. And there are a lot of guys who are like, yeah, I want to win, but I also want to have a good time while I'm doing it, particularly when I'm 40. Right. And I'll tell you what, particularly coming out of this, this time that we're in right now, I think people are going to be looking for fun more than ever. Yeah. And I don't think it's bad. I don't, it's bad. It's bad for New England. And I feel, I feel for the fan base. I hear people saying like, you know, they're on radio there at WEI saying, you know, I'm going to. I'm canceling my season tickets. I'm done. I've had it. And, you know, part of you, when you hear people say that, you're like, man, you get, you get six titles. Like you get, you know, Super Bowl right. nine times. Like there's literally 30 year olds walking around in, in New England who really don't have an idea that New England was awful, you know, 20, you know, 20 plus years ago, 22 years ago, 23 years ago. We're just an absolute joke. And, um, you know, it's so, so there's this element of, I get that hurt and I understand all that and that's bad, but it was going to end. It's unfortunate that it ended like this, but on the flip side with Tampa, you know, Hey, it's, it's different. It's intriguing. People will tune in. You're going to see multiple, um, Nash, you know, nationally televised game. I mean, minimum probably three primetime games for Tampa next season. Um, it's, it's just going to be something that is a little bit different for the league. And in a way, I think it's also served as sort of a wake up call, for the fan base that Philip Rivers in Indianapolis, Tom Brady's in Tampa Bay, Ben Roethlisberger may be on his last year. I'm 99.9% sure Drew Brees is on his last year in New Orleans. There is a almost mythical um, class of quarterbacks who are all departing the game. And the next guys who are ready to take over, it's going to be you know, uh, Pat Mahomes and it's going to be Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson. And the league is transitioning sort of in a way that the NBA transitioned away from, you know, uh, Michael magic bird, Isaiah Barkley, and look, look at how the NBA has prospered, you know? And I think the NFL has a pivot point here where there's some different guys coming in and some new things and the offenses look different. And, they're not stupid. They want to hit that $25 billion annual revenue goal. They know, okay, we need to change, you know, with how we're presenting this and who we're aiming our, our product at. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Let's dig in just for a couple minutes because I know you probably need to go on a few of the other signings. So Todd Gurley to Atlanta, you, know, you mentioned earlier in our conversation about teams needing to give physicals to certain players before they sign them. How did that come together so quickly? Because there's been all the questions about Gurley's health. Did Atlanta know something that everyone else didn't know, or are they just taking a flyer on him? I think they're taking a flyer. It's a one-year deal. You know, I think they're taking a flyer on him. Um, the thing is, too, with these physicals, you can't get um, – it's basically your doctor. So you can send him to – a doctor in his locality to do a physical or whatever. Plus you have the ability to get all the medical records from the player's previous team. That's how that's part of how the NFL is, is, um, you know, helping to, to, I guess, soften this blow for teams is you can sit there and you can look through all the medicals that were produced, uh, when the players with his, with his previous team. Now that's not perfect. That's because you, you know, it's, you're relying on someone else's doctors and the NFL never wants to do that. But again, I I don't think if this were a five-year deal, you know, Todd Gurley is 25. Like if it was a long-term deal, I'd be a little more, you know, 
I'd be a little surprised by that because that doesn't behoove Todd because, you know, he goes in and has one great season. Maybe he gets himself back on the track he was on before. He certainly got, you know, he's still in the wheelhouse in terms of age. And then, you know, for the Atlanta Falcons, I don't know that it would behoove them to put themselves on the hook for for a lot of money. And and I think there would have been a clause anyway that was very dependent on, you know, what his medical turned out to be. Um, so it, it, it makes a lot of sense that it's a short-term deal um, for him in particular. Now, some of these other guys, um, you know, that are getting these longer-term deals, uh, you know, you're, it, most of them have fairly clean injury histories, you know, and it's so it, – but that brings up the Cam situation. You know, if Cam Newton gets cut, what are teams going to do? Like at that right. point, like if you're going to sign this guy – um, I think it's he'll draw a lot of interest from teams that are like, hey, we might we're willing to let you come in and compete for a job, um, but we're I doubt that you're going to see some long term deal for Cam. I think it's going to be like a one year prove it deal. Isn't Washington the best landing spot for Cam? Um, Ron Rivera is there. Yeah. They need a quarterback. Yeah, I mean potentially. I the thing is, you know, Dan Snyder really is in on Dwayne Haskins. Like he's a big Dwayne Haskins guy, and and so I don't know if you're Cam, if you want to walk into a franchise where you're immediately competing with a guy who a expects to start this season, um, b the owner is clearly behind him as the future of the team, and and then you know c you may only be there for a year. So, you know, it's like you don't want to – I think you want to put yourself in a situation where the starter is on pretty – you know, that's why Mitch Trubisky, the starter is on shaky ground there. And so if you're Nick Foles, you're going in going, hey, you know, I got my opportunity here. Like I I may be able to beat this guy out. I may be able to stick as the starter. Um, You know, for Cam, I still – I've mentioned the Chargers several times because I know that staff is kind of leaning into quarterbacks who – have the ability to move, make some plays on the fly. Um, you know, I, I think he fits more of this, you know, the scheme, what they would like to do there. Um, but it's uh, between Cam, Jameis Winston, and uh, Andy Dalton. Those are three guys that I think really hoped and thought they would have starting jobs next year. I don't know if any of them will. I, I could see all three of them being presumptive backups when they're brought in and maybe told like you're, you've got a shot to compete for the job, but you're going to have to come in and compete for it. I really like Teddy Bridgewater to Carolina. What were some other signings on either side of the ball that stood out to you during this period? Um, you know, I, I think some teams kind of getting, you know, Dallas absolutely getting Amari Cooper done, having to get Amari Cooper done and, and, managing to only give them 40 million dollars and you know true guarantees um you know it's it's a big contract they're like five and a hundred but you know they only had to lay out 40 million dollars in guarantees so they protected themselves somewhat with amari cooper so i think it was good to see them get it done after he hit free agency like that's the thing like he hit free agency and all bets were off Mm -hmm. um you know so to see them get him done um i think Jack Conklin, the right tackle, the Cleveland Browns signed Jack Conklin. I thought it was a really good deal they signed him to. I thought the $14 million per season was, I think it was a little surprising to me because I think the Titans, that was their number. So he basically left the Titans to go to Cleveland for the same number, which maybe there were some hard feelings there. Um, 
And so, but I, you know, for the Browns, I think, you know, being able to solidify that line and, and open themselves up to the possibility of drafting a left tackle is, is really big for them. Um, trying to think of who else, uh, what other big, you know, I look, I think, frankly, I think Indianapolis, even though, um, the deal didn't come until after the trade going and getting DeForest Buckner on, you know, in a market where edge rushers are, and I'm talking about edge rushers who actually can sack the quarterback and <laughs> stack up 15 sacks in a season, super premium. And it was very aggressive by them, but I get it. Like they're, they're pushing right now to try and maximize the Phillip Rivers window. Um, so that one, I, I like teams that are aggressive. The one that sticks out to me that's a little interesting, you know, Jadavion Clown still sitting there. Hmm. I think he's, I think he wanted to be the highest paid defensive player in the game. That was never going to happen. And I think most teams are slotting him around, you know, 20, $20 million. And, you know, Demarcus Lawrence just did a deal for 21 last year with Dallas. And I think he's really disappointed, but he's also been a guy who has not maximized the talent, has not put up the mind blowing sack numbers that a lot of teams expected. He's been good against the run. He's been a very good pressure player. But he's just not been the consistently game in, game out dominant guy that earns the highest paid defensive player contract. And, and, you know, he's kind of waking up to that right now. And I think teams have a little bit of a, there's a little wariness about what's going to happen with Jadavion Clowney when he gets the big deal. Is he going to, is he going to keep pushing and become, you know, the player that by now, I think most teams look at the number of years he's been in the league. They're like, by now he should have been this player. And he's not. Now we're going to give him a ton of money and pay him like that. And then he's going to become the player that rarely happens. Last question. Who has helped themselves the most in your opinion? And I know we're before the draft and there's still a lot of work right. to be done, but coming out of this and where we are right now, who do you think helped themselves the most? I hate to push the, my chips on the Browns again. <laughs> really? <laughs> You know, the Browns really, you know, last offseason, I felt like they had a great offseason. And so you're kind of like, oh, man, like, can you really go back to that well again after the disappointment? I think the Browns, what's interesting to me is um, they go out and they get Austin Hooper, the tight end. They have, you know, David and Joku there. Um, I think they've mended fences with uh, Odell Beckham Jr., they're going to be able to run when you look at the head coach, Kevin Stefanski, who they brought in from Minnesota. I think Minnesota ran more two tight end sets than any team in the NFL last year. And so what, what the Browns set out to do, Andrew Barry, the, the new general manager there was like, look, I'm going to replicate this for him. I know what he can be successful with and we're not going to, we're, we're not going to soft play it. We're going to absolutely go out and try to give him the tools he needs to run the offense the way he sees fit. And to me, that to me is a sign for the Browns. That's a good thing. You're like, wow, you have a, you have a, you have a general manager who they went and got the head coach they wanted. And then they did exactly what they felt like they needed to do to give him his best opportunity to, to replicate his past success. So, you know, that Jack Conklin, I think they're sitting at the, they're sitting at the 10th pick in the draft and can, I, I think they're going to get a shot at a left tackle at the 10th pick. And, you know, these are all good things. They're rebuilding elements of the team. The one thing that I think they have lacked is an edge rusher. And what I would say about that is Olivier Vernon is sitting there and he counts $15 million toward the cap next year. They can cut Olivier Vernon and have a $15 million cap hole. Clowney is still out there. And I think if they felt like they could motivate him and get the most juice for the squeeze – 
I, I, you know, I'm curious to see if maybe they think about getting involved with Jadavion Clowney and sit there and go, well, you know, if we paid him 20 per, that's a $5 million difference, at least in the interim next season from what we would have paid Olivier Vernon. And we feel like we have a player with premium talent, but can we get, you know, can we get everything out of we need to? So I, I like the Browns the way they position themselves. I think they have a, a chance to get even better in this draft. And, um, I hate to go all back. You know, I'm not, I'm wary, but I, I do think the Browns, they didn't lack for talent before. They've improved upon that talent this offseason. And I think the structure that was the problem there largely was the coaching staff. And I think that's a better staff machine. Clowney would certainly make that an even more interesting locker room with yes. the personalities in there. Charles Robinson, senior NFL reporter for Yahoo Sports. You can follow him on Twitter at Charles Robinson. Charles, plug your podcast. How can people find it on iTunes? Yeah, absolutely. Trez Taylor and myself, we do the Yahoo Sports NFL podcast. And so if you go to iTunes, Stitcher, pretty much any podcast platform, and you just search Yahoo Sports NFL podcast, that's the name of it. We would appreciate any new listeners. We, we really, really appreciate it. We've, uh, worked hard to get this thing up and running over the last two seasons. So, uh, we're, we're closing in on our two year mark and, uh, feel like it's gone pretty well. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yeah. No, I've listened and, uh, you guys do a really good job and I've always had the highest of regards for you and, and your sources and, and just how you cover football and and everything that you've covered so thank you so much stay safe and we'll talk to you soon absolutely i appreciate it thanks brian you're listening to sports business radio we'll be right back one word you wouldn't typically associate with a dress shirt is comfort however the folks over at mizzen in maine are changing this their shirts are incredibly comfortable mizzen in maine makes dress shirts for men that fixes everything that's ever been wrong with shirts for so long their shirts breathe stretch and wick away moisture It's like athletic wear disguised as a dress shirt, making them great for travel. They've taken the hassle out of looking great through wrinkle resistance and the ability to wash your shirts at home. No more last-minute ironing. No more after-work trips to the dry cleaner. It's a shirt that's worked for thousands of customers, including hundreds of professional athletes like J.J. Watt and Phil Mickelson. And guess what? Mizzen in Maine now is making pants at long last. The Mizzen in Maine performance chino is here. Everything consumers love about the dress shirts, packed into new pants. Business casual just got comfortable. I love my Mizzen in Maine pants. It has the same breathability, superior comfort, no pilling. It's awesome. For travel, I don't have to worry about my pants being wrinkled when I take them out of my suitcase, just like my dress shirts. Now I'm covered. I've got the pullover. I've got the dress shirts. I've got the new pants. Go to mizzenandmain.com. Use the promo code SBR. Try out their new pants. I promise you'll love them. That's mizzenandmain.com. Code SBR. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. Joining me now on the Blinder guest line is the co-founder and CEO of Blinder, Ross McConnell. Ross, how are you? I'm really great. Thanks, Brian. Uh, hanging in there. Um, correction, it's the Blinder video guest line today, maybe for the first time. That's right. I'm <laughs> loving the Blinder video. For those of us on podcast, we're also going to put this out on our Twitter handle so you can see how the video works. Really uh, an amazing technology at a time, Ross, when people are having to work from home or they're having to create content remotely. 
talk a little bit about your product because I know you guys are seeing a big uptick right now. Yeah, well, I mean, we've been working, you know, for several years on on just trying to make the media interview just as easy as a phone call. And as you know, we started off with just a voice solution that allowed professional sports teams and music PRs to make their make their talent available for media interviews through their own mobile phones uh, without sharing any personal contact details, and then to record those conversations so that they can be shared with with their audiences and just for the last six months, we've really doubled down on on video and making the video interview just as easy as a phone call, and and that's how we're doing things now. You know, my uh, my tools of trade for producing blinder video content are my iPhone that I'm talking to you through, my AirPods that I've got stuck in my ears, uh, and I'm sitting in New Zealand talking to you in in Portland. Uh, you know, creating right. content. We're both working from home. Uh, and it's easy, you know, and that's that, that's what we've really been working on making possible for media professionals and sports PRs all around the world. Yeah, I mean, with Blinder, whether you're a reporter, a podcast host like me, an athlete, a coach, with Blinder, you can be a, a one-person production unit. And it really is amazing. Like you said, you can have your iPhone, you can have your laptop, you can have your desktop, but it's great quality. And you can get to it right away. Like, I, I know there's a lot of breaking news in the world right now. Yeah. And if you need to break news quickly or you're out on a remote or you just need to do a podcast real quickly, this is a great tool. Yeah. And I, Brian, you know a bit about our origins. My my co-founder is a guy called Kaylee Wilson, who was a sports PR. He was the communications manager for the New Zealand Rugby League. He was working here in New Zealand. He had athletes who were applying their trade all over the world. And so he was really dependent on phone interviews for getting his stories out into the media. And so he needed something that allowed him to connect the media with his talent while he was in a remote working situation. We really focused on making that situation really easy for Kaylee initially, uh, and then for other sports communications managers. And now, you know, unprecedented times, and we find a whole lot of people around the world who are working in that exact situation, confined to home, with their with their talent, with their news sources in other parts of the world? How do they make sure that the stories still get told? How do they still put the media in touch with their talent, um, continue to engage their talent, keep their fans engaged, you know, with, with what's going on with their teams? It's a real challenge for them. And so, uh, yeah, we've had a, a huge amount of, of interest being shown because people are finding new ways of adapting to, to getting their jobs done. And, and fortunately, we're in a unique position to be able to help them through that change. Well, so let's dig in on a case study. Yeah. You're working with the University of Illinois right now. Yes. And they have athletes who are probably quarantined or in their dorms or in their home. There's a lot of pro sports team across the world where yeah. the athletes are isolated. And whether they're playing video games or cooking or playing with their dog and cat or their kids, yeah. they're posting videos. Blinder is a great tool for everyone to use, but tell us how you're using the tool with the University of Illinois. Yeah, so the challenge really comes down to the media still wants access to their to their student athletes and their coaches and that sort of thing, and, and they're not working together. Actually, I've got to roll it back about 18 months with the University of Illinois because they, they took a look at our solution back then when we were a, a voice solution. And, you know, the, the, the value proposition was really about how do you make your student athletes available to the media through their own mobile phones without sacrificing their privacy? 
And what they decided at that time was, well, the way we get that done is that as the, as the SID at, uh, at a uh, college athletics department, I start the call on my own mobile phone and hand it over to the student athlete. Right. That's the easiest way for me to do the job right now when I'm with the student athlete, right? They're not with the student athlete now. And, um, and post-coronavirus, sharing your mobile phone with someone isn't kind of kosher. Um, and so, you know, I think we're seeing changes in the industry that will, you know, hopefully this all passes really shortly. But I think we're seeing changes being forced on the industry that will actually have a long-term benefit in terms of the way that we operate more efficiently, we're more agile around our content production. And so and come back to your question, um, you know, the University of Illinois is, is, is in confinement, like you were saying, and they're just using Blinder to make sure that they're still continuing to engage with their fans, continuing to engage with the media, and they're able to do that from, while they're working at home. And so we actually just did the, did the onboarding with them a couple of days ago. We had uh, nine of their team come onto the Blinder platform all at once. I did about a 30-minute uh, training session through, through a video conference and got them all up and running. Um, and, and now they're, now they're uh, you know, away and laughing in terms of their ability to produce content that they want to. So if you're a social media team for a team or a university or you're a media outlet and you can't send a camera to interview the athlete or the coach because they're quarantined, Blinder sounds like the solution because I'm looking at my screen right now. It's broadcast quality. You're on the other side of the world. It really yeah. is amazing technology. Yeah, well, you know, we've, we've got uh, connectivity working in our favor. You know, everyone's getting more connected in the world. Right. And that connectivity is getting better. Mobile devices are getting that much better. You know, I've just upgraded to an iPhone 11, so I'm I'm probably looking hopefully a lot better than I used to with my my six that I upgraded from. Um, but yeah, well, one of the sayings that we've had at Blinder is you know make news without the crews. You don't need to wait until you get a camera crew out to a breaking news story before you can actually you know produce content on it. We've uh, We've, everyone's got a, a microphone and a camera on a device in their pocket these days. What we've focused on doing for media teams is making it as easy as possible for them to connect with a remote news source through any device, be it a mobile phone or a laptop, and to have a conversation like this that they can share with their audience. Yeah, and we've just we've focused on making that just as easy as a phone call for whether you're a whether you're a journalist or a sports PR manager who needs to, you know, set up a, a media interview with a member of your team, that, that's, that's just as easy as that. So if I'm a media outlet or I'm a university or I'm a pro sports team and I'm listening to this right now or watching this right now, what's the best way for them to onboard with Blinder? Yeah, so we've got a special offer. We're calling it our Remote Life Starter Kit, Brian. And uh, people can go to our website, blinderhq.com. Uh, they'll see the details of our remote life starter kit there. What we're offering to help out, you know, media teams all over the world who find themselves in, in these new, this new working environment, um, we're making it really easy for them to get start, started on Blinder. So for, for media teams of up to 10 people, um, we'll, we'll give them a Blinder, Blinder account through until the 30th of June for, for $999 US dollars. That, that's a discount of up to 70% of uh, of what we what our retail pricing is, um, so we just want to make it really easy for them to make the decision. And then if they if they express their interest through the website that way, 
then we'll we'll get right onto them and we'll provide them with an onboarding session and a and a live training so that they're up and running just as quickly as they can be and they can adapt they can adapt to their their new working situation and continue to get their new stories out um, and uh, yeah tell better stories with with video um, and keep sharing it with their audience you know. Now I'm assuming this is all, it can be edited, right? So if you're a social media person or a media person and you need to edit any of the video, you can do that, right? Oh yeah, for sure. I rely on the editing a lot on these things, Brian. <laughs> As I yeah. always say, I have the face for radio. So, uh, you know. We're all getting that way, I'm afraid. But uh, yeah, so look, what happens when you uh, when you do an interview through, through Blinder, uh, you know, if the news source that you're connecting with, they don't need any special software. They get sent an email and a text message with a link in it that allows them to open something just like a FaceTime, but in their browser. Blinder is then recording that conversation in your cloud-based account so that as soon as the call is finished, you can get in there, you can download either an MP3 file from, your audio, from an audio interview or an MP4 file um, for the situation that we're in. Um, and for media teams that, you know, for larger media teams where there might be a journalist and a producer and a video editor working in, in separate locations, they can all access the same uh, cloud account for the team. As soon as the journalist is finished doing the interview, the video editor can, can get in there, download the, the, the recordings and uh, get, get busy with editing the, uh, the footage so that to make it look like they want it to, so that they can produce really nice finished um they can produce really nice quality uh you know articles that they want to share with their audience so you mentioned earlier and i agree with you this is going to change a lot of things with how we do things whether you know right before the league stopped playing in the united states they had changed the media access policy no more media in the locker rooms i've been saying the media still deserves the access yeah but does it really need to be in the locker room? And, right. you know, your tool, again, is a tool that can help people. But I wonder, in your opinion, what else do you think is going to change coming out of this in addition to people using products like Blinder to self-publish more? Well, yeah, the, the, the example that you just provided, Brian, is I, I know we've talked about that before. Right. And, yeah. you know, people have certain ways of operating that they might have been – that they might have been using for 25, 30 years or more. I'm just in the habit of, uh, you know, making my athletes available for media interviews after training while I'm with them and doing it on my own, you know, on my own mobile phone. And we've actually seen situations where where a, a, a PR manager will have three, four, five athletes stacked up for an interview after training and, and be doing them sequentially. So, you know, you've got professional athletes whose time is highly valuable hanging around for longer than they needed to after training. So that's great for the PR manager, but it's not so great for the athletes. But a lot of the young athletes are saying, oh, well, this is the way that it's done. There's no other way of doing things. And so so I have to grin and bear it. And so when new technologies come along, you know, people people need some always need some sort of external motivation to want to change the way of doing things. And that kind of, that can be either being inspired by something else you see someone else doing, or it can be pain related. <laughs> and I think we're all in a lot of pain at the moment, you know, with right. the situation that we find ourselves in. And so that's providing the, the motivation for people to change old ways 
of doing things. And and I think what we're going to find is that there are new, better ways of doing things that we just haven't adopted because because old habits are hard to break. So the example that you provided is one of them. I, I think you know the idea of uh, of media, large media app, excuse me, large media outlets having to scramble a camera crew out so that they can capture high you know, high quality video footage just the way that they want it. I think in a lot of cases they're missing they're missing the breaking news story by being too slow to respond, right? And so that there are there are far more agile methods of uh, of creating content now in the way that you and I are doing uh, that the larger media outlets can learn from. Another example that I've seen a lot of recently is, you know, when you're talking to 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 media outlets, you know, asking them questions. How do you currently do media interviews? And they'll say, oh, well, we use Skype. And and I say, well, you know, uh, do you do that from your laptop at home? And they say, well, no, there's a Skype set up in the office. And so when I want to interview the guest, sometimes a guest on the other side of the world, I've got to come into the office uh, to use the Skype terminal that my organization provides for me. So that means that they, they haven't got the flexibility of being able to do the interview at the optimal time for the guest, it's hugely inefficient for the journalists themselves. And so having more cloud-based infrastructure rather than fixed-in-place on-premise infrastructure that they have been using for, for generating this content is a big part of the change that I'm going to see. And obviously, with everyone working from home and needing to remain productive and to get the stories told, that way, cloud-based infrastructure is obviously a great way for teams to stay productive and to continue to collaborate with each other. And so those are, those are some of the thing, changes that I think we'll see now through these next few months that will endure and we'll, you know, we'll see new, more efficient, more agile methods of, of generating content for our, for our fans and our audiences. Before I let you go, our audience always likes to know the founder's story. And I know I already know the founder's story. But for the people listening right now, tell the founder story of Blinder. Well, I already told you a bit about that sort of earlier in the interview with my co-founder, Kaylee. Blinder was, uh, you know, we were inspired by a professional conversation starter is what I like to say. Kaylee will go up and talk to anyone in the world that he meets and and has a a great knack for extracting a story out of them. It's it's really truly a magic power. Um, But, you know, he came up with this idea that, uh, that he needed a better way of making his his professional athletes in the New Zealand rugby league team available to the media without doing it on his own mobile phone. And uh, and we're old high school buddies. Uh, Kaylee likes to say that the first time we ever met was on the uh, the starting blocks of a junior swimming race, and the second time we ever met was when I finished. Uh, so we go back we go back a long way. But I, I've got a, a an MBA from the University of California. Berkeley and had done uh, a number of things in the entrepreneurial world. And so when Kaylee had this idea, uh, he came and talked to me about it and said, hey, don't you think something like this should exist? And I and I thought, absolutely, you know, the ability to receive a call on your own mobile phone without sharing your number with the caller. I'm not a professional athlete, but that sounds like something that I could use and anyone in the world could use. And so, you know, a few years ago, we got busy with making the technology uh you know, creating it from scratch and initially focused on selling it to high profile teams and sports. And so we started with the likes of Emirates to Team New Zealand, who are the America's Cup champions. Uh, the AFL, the Australian Football League in Australia was one of the first 
uh, customers on board. And then pretty soon after that, uh, we got a lot of interest out of the music PR world as well. So um, we like to say that Blinder has been used around by uh, Blinder has been used around the world by uh, Olympic champions to Grammy winners, and from the AFL through to the Premier League of English football, um, and through, throughout the NCAA as well. And uh, just in the last uh, few months, we've really turned our focus to this video solution. Uh, and and seen an incredible amount of interest from from the media outlets as well. So we've kind of moved from one side of the media market, which is the talent managers and sports and entertainment, and now we've got a platform that's really valuable to the media organisations uh, around the world as well. And we always believed that we were working in a two-sided market and that we had a platform that could create uh, – could you know, could be the foundation for greater collaboration between, you know, the talent managers and the media who want access to the talent. And uh, it looks like in the situation that we're in now, uh, you know, we, we created it just in time and that collaboration is, is being able to continue to happen uh, while everyone's being, you know, put into isolation, so to speak. So that's well, our story, Brian. The, the talent has become their own media, right? If you're isolated. Exactly. You've got to become your own media and you're, you're covering your own story. So I love your video component. You know, I've known you guys for a few years now and it yeah. started with the audio, like you said, yeah. but the video is a game changer for you guys, I think, and especially in the situation we're in right now. So yeah. best of luck to you. Thanks. Uh, Thanks. Ross McConnell, the co-founder and CEO of Blinder. You can go to blinderhq.com or at blinderhq on Twitter. Hey, these are these are uh, uncharted times right now. So first and foremost, I hope you guys stay safe. Uh, but you know, in opportunities like this, businesses can really help people and help with the technologies that are available. And I think Blinder has a, a terrific technology that can help a lot of people. Yeah, thanks, Brian. Hey, let me slip, let me switch the interview around on you a little bit. The, uh, you know, I'm. I'm stuck in New Zealand because we, you know, flying has been discouraged. We we spend a lot of time out around the world. I think I've spent half of my life over the last two years in the in the US. What what are you seeing over there? What are how are you being impacted? You know, how are the people that you're talking to being impacted? I'd love to love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, the first thing I would say is travel is is pretty much shut down. So me <clears> getting on planes to go meet with clients in person or talk to them about strategies or how the athletes deal with the media and social media, that's all virtual now. So right. tools like this are, are very important. Yeah. Um, everyone's working from home. You know, there's my podcast studio has moved to home. So Greg's right. is in his home studio. I'm in my home studio. Usually yeah. we're together. Yeah. So that's a little bit interesting. Uh, I was telling you, before the video started, I'm used to just sitting down and, you know, I do my prep yeah. for all the interviews and I sit down and Griggs worries about all the tech. Well, now right. I've got to be a tech guy too. And if you know me well, that's not quite my strong suit. So <laughs> hey, it, uh, the best plug that Blinder needs is that I was able to connect for this video call right here and that we've pulled it off. That's how easy it is because if I can figure it out, anyone can figure it out. Well, yeah, I, I, yeah. On a serious note, my daughter's out of school for right. the next month and a half. Schools are shut down. 
Um, it's a weird time. It's, you know, we, in my lifetime, we've never seen anything like this, but it's, Mm. it's scary for a lot of people. Uh, as a parent, I'm trying to, you know, keep my daughter and my sisters and my mom and my family calm, but there's a lot of unknown. And I think, uh, there's a lot of anxiety with unknown, but you just got to keep plugging away. And, you know, for people like us, we're trying to provide information in some cases, we're trying to provide a, a an escape. Yeah. You know, maybe you can think about sports for a few minutes and where yeah. Tom Brady signed, or you can laugh a little bit with the yeah. person that you're talking to. But you know, it, yeah. it's serious stuff. So yeah. Uh, but yeah, everything has changed. I'm sure we're probably a little bit behind where you are with where things are. But um, you know, they've taken this very seriously. This is what I tell people, Ross is. For anyone who doubts what's going on right now, you know, Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, these league commissioners, it's going to cost them billions of dollars. Yeah. They wouldn't shut down their leagues if they didn't think this was serious. Right. So when you see people shutting schools down and, and sports leagues and restaurants and things like that, this is to be taken serious. There's still a lot of people here that aren't taking it seriously. Yeah. Um, and you know, they're going to the beaches, they're trying to go yeah. to restaurants in some states yeah. and it needs to be taken seriously in my opinion. Yeah. Mate, last week was one of the most surreal weeks. I think the, probably the most surreal week that I've had in my short life. Um, you know, I probably started the, the week a little bit cavalier in my attitude towards it and that, you know, I'm not particularly worried and wasn't particularly worried about, um, you know, the health effects on myself, but, but then paying attention to the wires and, and reading a lot of social media on it, you know, it became obvious that a lot of people have, are extremely worried about this. And and by the end of the week, my attitude had changed that it was well, it's actually not really about how I feel about it. Sort of we're all in this together and right. and I can't continue carrying on as if everything's going to be OK if the people around me are, are worried and anxious about things. So I had quite an attitude shift in things last last uh last week and and that's only continued to carry on you know um part of the impact here is that uh new zealand uh, has enforced self-isolation on anyone arriving uh in new zealand for 14 days they've now closed the borders to anyone who's not a new zealand citizen or or resident uh, my co-founder kaylee part of our story is that he's on his way back he's based in the uk now he's on his way back home he's been forced into self-isolation in australia where he had a stopover and when he arrives here today, he's going to have another 14 days of self-isolation. Uh, I've, had a, I've got another colleague working from uh, working from home who's just returned from Ireland. Another colleague who had two weeks of enforced isolation after returning from the Philippines. And in some respects, we've never been more physically disconnected. But it has the whole the whole uh, sort of experience has brought us closer together as a team than I feel like we've ever been. And you know. Hopefully that's part of the silver lining to this to this cloud that uh, that is coronavirus. You know that that we get a new that we all feel closer to each other in the end because we've come through this together. Right. No, I, mm. I completely agree with you. You know, I'm thankful for technologies like Blinder that still allow us, even though you know there's a, a great distance between us. Yeah. You still can have a conversation like this. Um, you know. Obviously, being connected with your family and friends yep. and business colleagues is, is mm. very important. So I agree with you. I, I think, you know, 
for those of us who come through this okay, mm. um, I think it is going to make us closer. Mm. It's a, it's a mm. big deal. And, you know, for someone like my daughter, who's 15 years old, she'll remember this year her entire life. I mean, when yep. she's much older, you'll remember that one year where things were really weird and we had to isolate and we had to take yep. great precautions and, yep. you know, I'll remember it too. I'm probably older than you, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely, I'll, I'll remember it too. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Uh, one more question for you. So now that you know that you've got the ability to have a video interview with anyone in the world, wherever they may be, ah. who would you most like to speak to? Oh, my gosh. This is going to surprise you. Because yeah. a lot of people are going to go, oh, he'd want to interview like an athlete or an owner or someone like that. I like the surprising answers, Brian. Yeah. Do you know who Larry David is? Larry Refresh David my is one of the uh, co-founders of the show Seinfeld. Right. And yes. he has a show on HBO called Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yep. yep. And it's one of my favorite shows. So if I could have a blinder conversation with anyone in the world, it would be Larry David, who's very cynical. And if you watch his show, uh, he makes people laugh, kind of deals with everyday things like Seinfeld, except it's yeah. on HBO, so they can be a little bit more... Yeah. Uh, risque with some of the, the topics that they discuss. Yeah. But uh, Larry David would be my person. All right. Well, I've just had a blinder with Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. And Larry David, if you're listening, <laughs> Brian Berger would like to have a blinder with you. So yeah. uh, we'll co- we're coming to get you. And, uh, and who's listening, I'm always surprised at who's listening. If Larry David is listening, yes, you have an open invitation yeah. to have a blinder. Video and audio with me. Yeah. Well, Ross, simulcast on simulcast on Blinded TV and Sports Business Radio podcast. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for your partnership. Be safe. And uh, you too, Brian. Uh, yeah. Joining us on Sports Business Radio. I can't tell you how many times over the years on Sports Business Radio that a PR person is asked to listen in on my interviews with their CEO, GM, coach, or athlete. They also want to call us in our studio so that we don't have the phone number of the high-profile person who is calling us for our interview. Blinder has developed a technology that solves these issues that have existed for years. Use Blinder's unique technology to connect your athlete, coach, or executive's personal phone for any interview without sharing their private information. Remotely control the phone interviews. Set start and finish times, monitor online or with the Blinder mobile app, and listen to a recording of the call at any time for complete peace of mind. With Blinder, you're finally in control. The system works globally from any phone line. Scheduling a call takes seconds. Customizable push notifications ensure a connection, and no one needs to download anything to make or receive a call. PR people everywhere should be using this helpful technology. Blinder is now the technology we use for the official guest line for Sports Business Radio. Learn how to start your free trial by visiting blinderhq.com backslash SB Radio. Now we're talking. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. Thanks to our friends at Boingo Wireless for powering our Sports Business Radio Roadshow. Follow them online at boingo.com or on Twitter at Boingo. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business.
Radio. This and every SBR podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and your favorite listening app. Follow Sports Business Radio on Facebook, Twitter at SB Radio, Instagram at Sports Business Radio, and online at sportsbusinessradio.com.